Hey, honeys, I have something exclusive to tell you. You can hear episodes of my show and 30 others, Harmontown, Drinky Fun Time, Dumpable Town, before anyone else on TuneIn First Play. Lucky you. You can listen right now on the TuneIn app. Play Nashville a week early. You're like living in a time machine, baby. So why don't you check it out? All you have to do is download the TuneIn app and listen for free. This is like being a podcast VIP. Don't forget, they also have live sports, news, music, audiobooks. It's enabled in Apple CarPlay, so I think you should check it out. All you have to do is go to tunein.com slash natchbute. Tune in, baby. Hey, this is Jason, man. This is Jason, what's up? Hey, hey, bro. Nah, it's Mike. Mike's here. Yeah, Mike's here to pick you up, okay? Mike's here to pick you up. Are you gonna fucking get dressed or what? Hey, it's me. Dude, it's me. It's me, Kevin, bro. It's me, Kevin, right? Just chill out. Just chill out. It's only Kevin. I wanna pop up. I got a nut now. I wanna bust up. Hot with the cut cut. Gotta pee you up. Pee up. Poo cut. Poo poo cut. Got a double cut. Double butt. Step a song in your nut. That's all I got for you. Is that good enough? Come on, is it good enough? Can I... Look, I just need a B plus, you got it? All I need is a B plus. I just need a B plus. I just need a B plus. Thanks for being here. Wonderful to have you. Hey, what's up? You're listening to Twisting the Wind. I'm Johnny Pemberton, and this is uh, your experiment in audio for the week. I know it hasn't been a week. It's been longer, okay? I know. Sometimes things happen when the calendar year changes that are out, that are in my control, but I choose to deassert myself and I let it slip, okay? Whose fault is it? It's mine. Take a little responsibility. Okay, Johnny? Okay, fine, I will. I just took responsibility. There it is. Put it on my head and break it off till it smokes. Okay? I don't care if I'm 
Turn, you, turn me into a piece of prop for a movie. Do it. I did it. Responsibility taken. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say that thing that everyone says, loves to say. Oh, hey, I'm just doing my job. Just doing my job. Oh, shut up. Your fucking job. You know what your job is? Is I guess your job is to not think, right? That's a big problem with the world today, man. But it is true, though. It really is a big problem. Is no one has any responsibility. Take some responsibility instead of not having responsibility. Responsibility is great. Not my job. I hate hearing that. God. I wonder how many people have died as a result of... Just, well, hey, man, it's not my job. No, I mean, technically my job is this door, so I, I could be responsible for whoever comes in there. Sorry. Sorry about your uh, loved one on their missing arms. Sorry about that. Yeah. Look, man, I'm just doing my job, all right? Okay? I, look, you can't bring a skateboard in here. No, we, we can't. Doesn't, that's different. The, a stroller's different. That's much bigger and harder to move out of the way of a theater aisle. So it's loud because you can bring a baby into the theater and have it cry. But I'm sorry, man. Look, I'm just doing my job. You can't bring that skateboard in this theater to watch Fast Five by yourself on an afternoon, even though you got here just in time to see it. Okay? Just doing my job. My job? What is it? Uh, it basically is not to think at all and just sort of, uh, just sort of like snivel and pretend I have any sort of authority whatsoever when actually I'm really dumb and can't think for myself and I'm only capable of doing the things that I've been instructed to do by sponsored pro athletes and other people who are fully branded in the public eye. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. That's pretty much me, man. So, um, yeah, sorry about it, bro. I'm just doing my job, all right? I'm just doing my job. Yeah, I really can't take responsibility for anything at all because if I did, that would mean having to answer for something and having sort of a unique opinion and basically standing up for myself in some capacity, which is impossible because I don't have really any original thought at all. I'm just kind of like a, I'm just sort of a, you could call me a, a soldier of mediocrity. Yeah, that's pretty much me, man. All right, cool. Okay, see you next week, baby. Okay, sorry about that. Ah, gunshots. Ping! Of a shovel. Okay, rant check out of the way. It's what a great place to be right now is here. I'm happy to be here. I love it. I love it. Really do. We got a really hot episode for you today. I mean, I say this right now only knowing about two thirds of what it's gonna what's to come. I'm talking to you right now from the past, and when you're listening to this, it will be the future, and I will have recorded some amazing phone call or calls with some people who are to be reckoned with and they're going to be so good and I'm going to be happy to ex explode them towards you in a, in a nice compressed audio format that resembles AM radio. Maybe some classic AM gold, baby. Yeah. Hey, Donnie, what's up, man? Are you in, to, are you in here to take us out into the uh, other part of this zone here? Oh, what's up? Yo, Johnny. Yeah, man. I'm always down to do a little outro, whatever you want, man. Totally. Yeah, you know, I've been feeling it this week, too. It's been so goddamn cold, man. The fucking heater in my van is all busted out. It's fucking frying my ass. It's like either like a, it's either like an immersion heater. It's burning a hole in my left cheek or it's just like straight up not working. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. And, uh, well, Karen, she's going nuts. She lost her job, so she's freaking out. But, you know, it's cool. We've been through a lot together, so there's a lot of time in there. A lot of time has been locked in. So, 
you know that's how it is and uh we were up over in uh tivoli tivoli dipstone you heard about this place wicked wicked hot springs dude tivoli dipstone it's called that i don't know why some old italian guy found it it's up there in northern california norcal uh Dipstone, D-I-P-S-T-O-N-E, just like it sounds, Dipstone, and they have this really cool thing around there called the uh, called the Bistro Dogs. They're these crazy dogs that run around. They look like they have on have on like waiter uniforms, but it's just the color of their coat. And they're called the Bistro Dogs. There's like twenty of them, and they're fucking nuts, dude. They're running around like Boston Terriers, like doing backflips into the water. Yeah, and then like then when they bark, it sounds like "May I help you? May I help you?" It's so crazy. I mean, it doesn't sound exactly like that, but if you like know that they're the bistro dogs, you're like, swear to God, that dog just asked to take your order. Yeah, man, I maybe want to go to like a real deal bistro, you know, like get some really good bistro style food. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, I love a good bistro. Thank you for coming in here. Here we are. This is the musical section of Twisting the Wind. Mm-mm-mm. Make a cross. Make a T. Twist into it, please. Thank you. It's me. Okay, I'm just going to start right away here on this chart block hit parade. Heavy duty, heavy duty monster sounds coming your way here. Some heavy some stompers y'all okay some some blasters this is something from italy the man's name is serone c-e-r-r-o-n-e serone he's got a little mustache this is from an album called supernature this is the title track i'm going to play two little sections of it for you because it's got a nice warm-up at the beginning but it's a 10 minute long song and i really want you to hear the chorus because it's the good so i'm going to interrupt it like i do Unfortunately true. Okay. It's fine. It's totally fine. Let's real quickly, real quickly, just shut a little over to that chorus section so you can hear the, the wicked voices of this guy. We would feed the hungry thieves till they couldn't eat no more. But the portions that we made touched the creatures down below. And they grew 
I'm very sorry. Very sorry I can't play that whole 10-minute track for you. But I can tell you what, does not disappoint the slightest bit. Get it. Get it. It's Cerrone, Supernature. The whole album is amazing. It's from, I suppose, the late 70s, early 80s. From good old Italy. Doing a lot of cool things over there at that time. Something called Italo, which is just us saying Italian or whatever. It's a, a, Italian disco. There's a whole big scene of that going on. Some of it isn't as quite as... I mean, I don't want to call Cerrone cheesy, but it's a little cheesy. It's a little bit sci-fi influence, kind of like bad but good. The music video for this is amazing. It, it's ridiculous. God, it's so, well, what a great thing. What an amazing uh, whole, whole thing there going on in Italy. Ooh, Cerrone, Supernature. That's the song. That's the album. There's also a single version of that song, which is like three minutes long, and it really gets to the point. I recommend it. And there's so much other great Italo disco, which I could recommend to you. And I will in future times. Or you can also do a little journey of self-discovery and dig it out. Klein and MBL. That's all I'm going to say. Moving on. Serious departure from what we just heard. This is Sister O.M. Terrell. This is from probably sometime recently after World War II, was which was when this was recorded. She is a singer and a guitar player, and that's all you're going to hear here is just her and her guitar and her slide. She plays slide guitar, but not like, just, I don't know. This is the kind of music where I don't know how this happened. It seems like, I always talk about this, but definitely there was some sort of alien involved who just zapped down and like, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I don't know. It depends on what side of the religion line you are on, but... um. I can tell you that Sister O.M. Terrell, Ola May Terrell, is definitely in God's house, if there is one. And here's a song uh, that's about that, which is all of her songs are about that. It's called I'm Going to That City. And this whole album is incredible. It's from a compilation called Country Gospel, 1946 to 1953. Get it all, okay? Who cares if, you don't, if you're not into Jesus? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't, because you'll get it. Ready? You'll get it in about seconds. Sister O.M. Terrell, I'm going to that city. Ah, I've listened to that song so many, so many, so many times. 
There's something about it where music like that is a kind of thing where I, I can't wrap my head around what's going on. It's so deceptively simple that it's like this fucking sound riddle. Just I just can't do it. I just can't. I know that I could learn, I could spend weeks trying to learn to play that, but there's something about it that would never sound the same as the way she's playing it. And that's what I think is so special about music like that. It's just got this, there's something in there, there's just something there. There's like this magic theta wave, or who knows what the fuck it is. I mean, you could analyze it to death, but it's this special. I think the best way I can liken it to something visual is a giant boulder of semi-frozen mud tumbling down an incline, and every once in a while it kind of gets hung up, you know, because mud's sticky, but it's still going. It can, it's going down. It's never, there's never a turnaround, because it can't, because it's too much inertia, too much entropy. It's like, it's that. It's this big, big death funk mud ball just bounding down a hillside and just... Ugh, it's just, ugh. yeah, the, all their songs of hers are really good too, and they all have, some of them, they sound very similar, uh, I don't really have a problem with that though, I like things, you know, keep it consistent, if you can keep it consistent, you've done probably the hardest thing to do, and she does a great job of that, have a lot of help with uh, Almighty Lord Jesus, I guess, she's tapped in, maybe she is God, she probably is God, that makes more sense, doesn't it? So go ahead and get that album and uh, get get with GB. Okay, one more track here on this musical section. This is from McNeil and Niles. This is something kind of rediscovered and reissued by Chocolate Industries, care of Dante Carfanga, who's sort of this uh, ultra-heavyweight beat digger who has a lot to do with this journal magazine called Wax Poetics. Uh, He's a Chicago guy. All the best record things that are happening and have happened in the last... 20 or 30 years, came out of Chicago. Something about Chicago, it's like this, it's like ground zero for the reinvention of a soul and funk and all that kind of stuff like that. And so it's no surprise that the person who brought this back to light, okay, I'm giving, I guess I'm giving too much credit here to the person who reissued this and not the musicians themselves. But uh, both, both amazing. This is a record from 1978. It's just like an EP. It's like seven songs. It's called Thrust. And this song's called Hypertension. It's this music to me is out of time. I don't know. It doesn't sound like it came from that era because it's just it's like this beautiful uh, enough. Enough. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, these fucking music lawyers. I have to turn it down and cut it off, but it only gets better. It's just fucking rip death 
the whole thing, the whole song, the whole uh, the whole EP is like just like that. I mean, it goes up and down. There's some smoother, more mellow moments, but it's all this crazy lockstep shit, man. <laughs> Hypertension, McNeil and Niles. It's from the EP Thrust, which I do believe is out of print, but I think you can get it. You can probably dig around the internet and find this because you have to find it. I'm sure you have to, right? If that's music they played when an army stormed a village or whatever, I would probably join the army if that's what I got to listen to. If it was like, my only, your only way to access the sound is to join the army, I guess I would probably do it. They have me. They have me locked. That's the thing I think about more now is what would, I, what would happen if I couldn't have access to recorded music? I don't know. I think I might be like really depressed and kind of like be dying but then again just because there's no recorded music it doesn't mean there's not music because music's been around for a pretty long time as long as there's been things moving there's been music i saw something really cool last night i saw a guy at a gas station in this little little uh neighborhood over in the east part of los angeles some uh dude playing a wooden flute to two other younger guys. This was like probably a guy like in his late 50s. He was the gas station attendant and it was one of those little tiny booths. And he opens the door and he's playing this wooden flute. I could hear a little bit of it, but I'm like, oh man, I wish I could hear that. But it sounds so great. It's so great to hear real sounds. I mean, uh, you know I love these recorded sounds. We all do. Man, something about hearing the real sound and coming out of the thing that's making it, moving through the air and hitting you and seeing it and all this stuff that is uh, irreplaceable. So what am I saying? Uh, go see some live music. And also encourage me to see some live, more live music too because I definitely, it doesn't happen as much as it, as it used to. Maybe that's because the government's stopping me from doing it. Probably. They're probably poisoning my water, keeping me from going to see live music because they know that if I see live music, I'll be less likely to want to be with them and give them everything I have. Okay. This all made sense, didn't it? Not really. Not really at all. Sorry. Sorry about that. I'm fucking sorry. Look, seriously. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. I fought with him for one day. Look, I'll call you as soon as I get home. Just don't do anything until you hear from me, all right? Jihad. Hi, how you doing there? Hello? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm calling. I, I saw the an advertisement for this, and I was just uh, wanted to want to speak to someone about possibilities. Okay, and what service would you like to um, get more information about? Well, I guess we want to start first and just kind of see what there was. And then, because uh, what I saw was I was watching a YouTube video and it was like, there's a thing that came on before. It was really strange. It was like, it had nothing to do with what I was watching. It was like, well, and it was a video showing a guy like, Using a metal tool on a woman who was, uh, or it could be a man who was, uh, get there taking the fat out. Help you, help you get, uh. Okay, so you want to inquire about the smart lipo? Okay, I guess, yeah, I do. Mm hmm. Okay, give me just a second. Sure. 
Oh, wow. Hello, sir. Hello? Yes, did you want to come in for a consultation? They're free. Well, I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that just yet. Um, I wanted to ask a couple questions just on the phone because I'm kind of like a... I kind of like to dip my toes first, you know what I mean? Okay. I, yeah. I know, where are you? Where are you located at? We're located in Hacienda Heights. Where is that? That is by, let me see, close to Whittier. Hmm, I don't know where that is. That, down that way. La Puente? La Puente. West Covina. Okay. Um, I heard... La Puente, isn't that a, isn't that a, that's a hotel, right? No. Okay. Um, no, I don't think I know that. Is there like a, what's like a landmark? A landmark? Mm-hmm. You know, something you, if you were driving, like what you would notice if you drove by? Um, I don't, I don't think there are any landmarks, marks anywhere. Not like a big rock or something? Like a like a windmill or maybe like a really strange colored tree. No. Okay, I just thought you know, you know they say this. I'm embarrassed about this, but they always say that men are good direction wise with like numbers and maps and stuff, and women di- direction with with landmarks. And I tell you the truth, I'm a landmark guy. I I do all my directions. Oh. I don't. So I look left at the Burger King. Then you're gonna see like a weird car. Oh, you know what? Yeah. No, no, she's here. Who's yeah, there? Um, no, there's no landmarks around here. Oh, so you're just out in the middle of nowhere then, huh? Mm-mm. You're not in the middle of nowhere? You just don't know. No, we're in the city of Hacienda Heights. Okay. I, I just heard in the background. What were you saying about that woman? I'm sorry? I just heard someone in the background there. Oh, this is, you're calling the office. Okay. So I we just, have other people in the office. God, I wasn't sure because I just thought maybe it was something that was pertinent to me. Or, but um. No. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess well, I guess we're we're crossing that bridge before we've built it here. Um, the sir, the, why is it called Smart Lapo? What it is at the doctor, um, it's a procedure. Uh-huh. That um, the doctor he makes a small incision. It's kind of like he uses. It's like the the size of a, a a pen. Okay, like a what kind of pen? A pen size. It's a pen size, just a a regular writing pen. Okay, like a P E N. Yes. Okay, because that other kind of pen is a P I N, like a pen, like. Right. Okay, P E N. So like the size of like a like a big writing pen. Pen. Yes. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to get more information, I can schedule you to meet with the doctor for a consultation. Okay. I, I think we're, we're almost there. But um, can you go back to the the pen? What what happens with the pen? What do they do with that just, pen? Give me just a second. Sure. Yeah. Hello? Thank you for holding.
holding. I'm Hello. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. That I was going to go crazy there. Do you have you heard your hold music here? No. Oh, it is like a weird computer. Sounds like a haunted house computer or something. It's really kind of very strange. Um, okay, so what it is, it's a laser that ruptures the fat cells. Oh, okay. And it liquefies it into the, it's like a suck, it suctions it out. Okay, well, I thought you were talking about some kind of a pen. That's what it is. Okay, so it's like a special pen that they write on the fat it, with? It's like a laser. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a laser that ruptures the fat cells and it um, sucks it out. Okay, now is this something that they like teach you how to do or so you can do it whenever you get fat? It's a procedure that the doctor does for patients that would like to get that. Oh, so how long does that last for then? That's my. That's the big thing. Because I don't want to have to. If it's like all, if you're all the way over, where, well, I think you're probably far away from me. Uh, where are you located? I'm located in La Mirada. Do you know where that is? Oh, you're actually not too far from us. Oh, really? Okay, that's so funny. Mm -hmm. Wow. I I just I'm kind of new to here. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, so. if you're La Mirada, then you would hit. Um, Either La Habra or from La Mirada, it could be Whittier, and then you would get to um, our location. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll I'll have to do a mag do the GPS magnet thing. Mm. Well, so how long do I have to come out come back like every week or something? Because no, it's just a, a procedure that you do once. I'm sorry, but what does that mean, procedure? It's like um. It's liposuction. Right. Okay. But you keep saying that word procedure. What is that? I don't. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I'm not familiar with that word. The surgery. Okay. Uh. So that's that. I mean surgery. Yes. Okay. But I thought you said it was just like a laser or something like that. It is. It's it's minor from an actual liposuction because they're just using a laser. That's a pen size. Okay, it's a pen size laser that has. It's like a miner. It's like a fat miner. Like a like a miner. You mean like an M I N E R? Or a miner M I N O R. M I N O R. Okay, so that that's like a, like a miner. That's like means like a small, right? Yes. Okay. That would be funny if it was there with mine with an E, you know, that would be funny. Like, mm -hmm. you send in a little... So if you want, if you wanted guys. more information, then we can schedule you to meet with the doctor. Is there some kind of like a, 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 a thing I can read about it online or something? I have internet. You can go to valleyaestheticsandlaser.com. Mm -hmm. And is that something where I can chat with you on there? No. Okay. Do they just a second... Sure. I have a patient here to check in, okay? One second. Okay, is, great. Oh, my God. What was that sound you just made? The sound I just made? <laughs> What was that series of sounds you just the made? Sound? I, I heard some series of sounds. Oh, you mean my David Bowie impersonation of uh, the theme song I wrote for you? That was a David Bowie thing, wasn't it? It kind of sounds like Bowie. I hope it's a... Oh, it's twist in the wind. <laughs> I said, well, twist in the wind. My David Bowie is really just David Bowie in Labyrinth. 
Okay, well, that, that's most people's David Bowie, isn't it? That's true. Just like most people's Bill Cosby is really an impersonation of Eddie Murphy doing Bill Cosby. That or an impersonation of him when he did the... Jello! Yeah. And that's all you say, just Jello. Yeah. People in our lifetime don't even remember those ads. When was the last time Bill Cosby did a Jello commercial? I think probably uh, 20 years ago. Oh my God! Twenty years probably ago. It's been twenty years. Yeah. Nineteen ninety-three, mm -hmm. and for some reason, that's exactly when crime dropped. Like for no, like for no reason. Like seventy-two percent crime drop in the early nineties must have been the Jello ads. Must have been the Jello ads. Must have been Freakonomics. Freakonomics. Freakonomics says Freakonomics. it's uh is abortion, legalized <laughs> abortion. I think it's Bill Cosby Jello ads. Bill Cosby. Uh, Baron Vaughn, welcome to Twisting the Wind. Johnny Hemmerton. That's where you are right now. Yeah. Well, hey, thank thanks you. Thanks for being here. I like the wind, and I like to twist it. Yeah, that's what we're doing here right now. It's a real casual wind twisting zone, and there's no there's no stakes. A cash twist zone. Cashing cash twist. So where did you grow up? Las Vegas, Nevada. You grew up in Las Vegas. Yeah. Man, like the like the killers. <laughs> you know what? Band of the killers. And supposedly I know people that know them. I don't right. personally know them. I was actually, uh, you know, Eric Allen, right? Uh, yeah. Minnesota boy, yeah. like yourself. Yeah. Um, Eric Allen and Neil Nanda, a young comic from Atlanta who moved here recently, uh -huh. were hanging out at my place last night, and uh, I was telling them about my high school because I went to performing arts high school. Right. So they were asking cool. me like who anyone famous that went to my high school or anything like that. And the most famous probably person that went to my high school is um, Neo, you know, Neo. recording artist Neo. Okay, I don't know who that is, but... Uh, you probably know, you probably heard, you've heard that song, So Sick. That was his hit, his first hit. Cause I'm so sick of love songs, so tired of tears. I don't nope, think... Nope, all right. kind of, yeah. Well, I'm then you don't know him. With that stuff. What about True Blood? You ever seen that TV show? Yeah, I have seen True Blood. Tara, the black girl? Yeah. She went to high school with me. She's great. I love yeah. her. She went to my performing wow. arts high school. So you, what did you study in performing arts high school? Theater. Theater, right. Yeah. You're a very uh, gregarious guy. Oh. Well, and you can sing. I don't you know can if that's actually a... sing, which I think is amazing because when I see your comedy, it's like, there's, you're one of my favorite comics. Oh, Johnny, please. It's like when I see stuff, it's please like. Please continue. I see something, I'm like, <laughs> I cannot do this. I, I absolutely cannot do what is happening right now. And that's what makes me like it so much. Well, I w I'm not I'm not twisting the wind up your ass, but uh, uh, you are one of my favorite comics as well. <laughs> I have, I I was in Texas and I was showing I was trying to show somebody your uh, the uh, the hip hop bit the ah okay. uh, oh, mm, bitches in heels. Yeah. I could, but it's like. What I found, the best clip I could found was, uh, uh, was uh, I think it was a Super Serious show. Could be, yeah. It's it's on rooftop comedy, so. Yeah, but I didn't like that version. Oh, really? Because okay. you do it so differently every single time. I do, because I, I can't do it the same. So. And I think the first time I saw you was you did it so long. Oh, really? And that's, I loved how long you did it. Yeah, I like to do it a long time, if I can. Because I, I think since then I've seen you do it, and it's always been shorter. But it, the first time right. I saw it, it was longer. So I always think of it like, it's got to be long. Yeah, it's got to be gotta be four minutes. Or <laughs> it's got to like be your whole set. Yeah. Start over, start over. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, Jesus, I feel like okay, I'm really so loud. You, so you, you grew up... Um, in Vegas, yeah. In Vegas. That's like a weird place to grow up, isn't it? I feel it's, like it is. It's the weirdest place. You know, I was in New Mexico. I was born in New Mexico. Okay. Right? Uh, and then New Mexico is basically filled with poverty and soot. It is. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the success of Breaking Bad, in my opinion. Is that well, unless it's... Albuquerque or Santa Fe, yeah. then you're like it's you're kind of screwed. Yeah, it's, like it's bleak, bleak without desert. Having, like Minnesota's bleak because it's cold, but Albuquerque or like New Mexico's bleak because it's just like there's just nothing here. Minnesota is the definition of tundra. Yeah, <laughs> they have the, they have that, which I think is pretty. Tundra can be pretty, yeah. yeah. And we're just desert. Yeah. So I was born there, but my my uh, we moved to Vegas when 
I was like six or seven. What did your family do? Uh, which one? Well, your mom. I get mom and dad. Well, my mom had me really young. Okay. She was like 19. Okay. So uh, my great grandparents, mm -hmm. my grandmother's parents right. raised me. Wow. Okay. Until I was about. So your grandma's boy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, cool. I was a, a grandma's boy. I, I forgot that that's an actual term, but it's it's pretty true. I guess it's. I, I'm a mama's boy now, but me and my grandmother right. was super, super, super close. That's cool. Yeah, I never, I never was never, never close to my grandparents. So it's something where it's like I'm jealous of people who have grandparents or were close to them. Well, you see, it's interesting that you're asking me this because I feel like I've been trying to dig into my brain for personal stories right. to tell in my act. Yeah, and I feel like I don't have any. Dude, I started writing. I started writing jokes. About how I don't have stories. Like the reason I don't have yeah. uh, interesting experiences because I leave so damn early. Doesn't matter what the heck it says. Oh, that house is haunted? I'm out of here. Because oh, okay. most people go like, oh, it's in my head. And then they walk in. I'm so like, no, I'm gone. No, <laughs> luckily. So, but I was telling somebody stories about, because I feel like my family is interesting right. in a sort of a way, but I can't, I can never really think of like clear stories unless I'm pressed about it. But off the top right. of my head, I can never think of anything. Well, yeah, I guess I'm, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's why, that's why I'm talking to you. <laughs> you're going to press me for these stories. Okay. Yeah. So, so you so your mom, you were raised by your grandmother. My great grandparents. Great, your great grandparents. My great grandparents. Okay. Robert and Gladys. So how old were they when you were, when you were like six? I don't even know. I, it was my great grandparents. My grandmother came around a lot, of course. But they can't be still be around. Can they? No, they're not. Yeah, they're not. Neither is my grandmother. Okay. My mom came and got me when I was like five or six, so and we lived in New Mexico for like a year. So that's when you guys started to be the family unit back together. Yeah, it was just me and my mom though. Right. Then we moved to Vegas because my grandmother was in Vegas, so it was okay. me, my mom, and my grandma. Gotcha. Until my mom married my stepfather, and this is the this is the thing that people love, Johnny. Right. Me and my grandmother bunk bed. No way. In high school. Which one was she in the top or bottom? <laughs> I can't believe that you asked. Bottom, of course. What are you talking okay, about? I don't know. I mean, maybe Wayne Grandma's like, you know, you take the bottom. You take it. I'll be, I'll be fine. You know how grandparents love to just like, because they, they know they're on their way out. So they just go like, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the bullet. Whatever it is. Whatever, whatever situation is the bullet, they'll do it. Like, I'll, well, I'll sit on the roof. <laughs> Really, I, I my like, experience has always been that like they just don't care anymore. Yeah, it's like, like I'm gonna do what's I'm comfortable. Old, I can just sit in the comfortable chair. Yeah. Exactly. I guess it depends on the grandparent, I suppose. I think if I once I turn, I'm 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 gonna say I'm guarantee a 65 here. Mm -hmm. Once I do it, I'm gonna be like you're guaranteeing 65. I'm gonna say it right now, which means well, I'll probably die. Johnny Pemberton is gonna make it to 65. 65. Once I hit 65, it's gonna be it's gonna be everything. Any situation will be. I'll do it. I'll do the the undesirable. Any undesirable, I'll take it. So, really? Hey, I'm on my way out. I got it. Well, here's an interesting thing. I, I think, I was talking to somebody about this, because apparently psychology teaches us right. that the older we become, uh, the more black and white our thinking becomes, less shades of gray. That makes sense. You know, yeah. less, less likely we are to see something from someone else's perspective because we're so stuck in our own. So you're saying that's probably not going to happen. Well, I, I just think like that, no, I think it will happen for you because, look, we were talking about Cosby before. Have you right. seen Cosby recently? The guy's still, like, lucid yeah. and spry and, like... Then I've heard he gives the best performances of all time. And, like, okay. people like Have Carlin, like, toward the end, like, you know, he right. was always, like, everybody was so mentally clear. I right. feel like comedians, artists always are because we're always thinking about things and so many different ways yeah you're, or just just the fact you're thinking at all is something that's good exactly but on the other side of that uh I, there's certain i think issues like personal yeah. issues that if right. you never 
figure them out, they basically grow like weeds in your brain. Yeah. So when you get to you get to a certain age where it's the only thing you obsess about, like you feel like everyone hates you, yeah. or just like you know, like you know those old people are just like everyone hates me, like that sort yeah, of. Yeah, or you know that's like the, the classic racist grandparent is because it's like they just they never bother to pluck that racist that weed out. Happen. Yeah, like <laughs> oh you got wronged like forty years ago and you just oh yep it's definitely all the same people there who were continuing to wrong. <laughs> and some of them grow up. Yeah. And uh, not grow up. Your grandparents grow up at some point. Yeah, that's <laughs> they, true. They get over racism, hopefully. I think I used to think my grandpa was racist, but then I think I realized as I got older, I think he was just fucking with people. I think he was doing it to make other people uncomfortable because he didn't give a shit. Uh, example. Okay, he um, once saw Grant Hill, black basketball player. I know Grant Hill. Lay's potato chips. Uh oh. This, this is about 15 years ago, maybe, maybe more. This is probably about 17 years ago. Okay. He saw him like in the street or something. No, this was a uh, we're in my, in my kitchen. He's visiting from Louisiana, okay, in Minnesota. He's looking at this bag. And he's like, he sees the bag of potato chips. He's like, I'm not buying those chips anymore. Because uh, of Grant Hill. Because of Grant Hill. <laughs> I'm like, those chips got black all over him. Like, oh, he's racist. I gotta think, because he's not. Are you sure it wasn't like a sports team thing? I I don't think he cared about sports at all. I mean, I don't, I don't. I'm pretty sure he didn't care about sports. I think he lived like, in Louisiana. Yeah. In New Orleans? He lived, he's from, in Alexandria, which is like central Louisiana. It's where the England Air Force Base was. He was a aircraft mechanic. That yeah. kind of does sound like, you know, if you, especially because if you're down there, it's like racist. So, right. And especially in Minnesota, it feels like it's, everything's a little bit more repressed. Exactly. But, like I mean, people are a lot kinder. Well, I mean, he didn't, he didn't live in Minnesota. He, he lived in Louisiana. He was no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that it makes sense that if he was in Louisiana where everyone's always loud about this right. stuff, then he comes to Minnesota and everyone's like, ooh, ooh, huh? And then him to make that joke makes a little sense. Like, yeah, I mean, but we'll never really know. <laughs> I mean, he did. He used to do stuff like take pictures, like holding a knife to his face on his birthday, like with crazy shit, like weirdo. Like he'd say stuff just to scare people. I think we actually can find out. Yeah, I brought my Ouija board. <laughs> he probably fuck with the Ouija board, but like, I'm a faggot. <laughs> That's what he would say. Wow. <laughs> my grandpa said that on a Ouija board. Hey, guess what? I'm a faggot. I'm gay. Everyone's gay in heaven. Yeah, we're all gay up here. <laughs> That's what's ironic that people think that God hates gays. Heaven is nothing but gays. It's just a big playground of, of gay, gay town. It's the biggest bathhouse you've ever did see. Yeah. Without the bath. <laughs> exactly. So you grew up in Vegas. Yeah. That's got to be, I mean, because I got, I'm not going to point punches here. I hate Vegas. Um, I can't stand it. It's like the, it's like the. Antithetical to everything I am. Well, like, what do you, like, what do you, when you go to Vegas, what do you see? What do you do? Well, I, um, for one thing, it's very dry. So right now, of course. immediately it's got no points for me. It's like the dryness sometimes. I remember being there and I was just like, I, I, I'm going to die. I'm going <laughs> to die of dryness. That, and I guess maybe, I don't know, I don't like to gamble. I think I typically don't like the people who are tourists who are visiting there, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it brings in a certain type of people who of are. Of course. Yeah, they're not exactly interested in uh, uh, music and art or anything. Well, like Vegas that. is kind of the yeah. idea of Vegas. Is different it, than Vegas. Is different than, but like that's why people come there is for the idea of it. It's like a right. suit, you know. It's just like it's a it's a kind of different skin you get to try on for right. like a couple of days. Be like, oh, Vegas. But people also just like to say they went to Vegas because people right. go to Vegas and do nothing, but then they can now feel, oh, I've been to Vegas. Right. Ooh, right. I, know, I know what you're talking about. I've been there. I didn't right. go anywhere, but I have a lot of opinions yeah. about it. I mean, there's those are the two Vegases, are Tourist Vegas and Locals Vegas. Right. And I grew up in Locals Vegas, which is, 
boring. I mean, it's just, it's a yeah. suburban, it's a gigantic suburb. I mean, at first we were in North Las Vegas, okay, which is uh, more of the hood, if you will. Right. The ghetto. It's, it's kind of dangerous. It's a little bit dangerous. It's, there, right? it's pretty dangerous. And in the 90s, you know, uh, that's I was talking to somebody about the other day. It was just like the paranoia mm-hmm. before that crime drop. It was like, just like. It was like, oh, there's a, there's something out there. Yeah. It was like this, like there's a black, the young, block. a young black, angry. He's angry. He's black. He's got unlimited resources. Unlimited guns. Resources. He's got guns and he, he's got unlimited bullets. I don't know, <laughs> some sort of code he entered at the beginning of the game. Unlimited ammo. The life, the life kill game. He's coming for you and he's he's mad. And I was like, that's everyone I know. I live yeah. I live there. That's where I live. So it was like, it was the ghetto. But then we moved. Closer to the strip because my mom got a job at the Mirage. Okay. So what did you do there? Um, she worked in the retail warehouse. Is something wrong? What's going on? No, I'm just, I'm just, check, doing just level checking. Check. Just checking. Yeah. Level de level. 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 I'm so Babies. loud. I'm so loud. I can sit theater training. I'm trying to be quiet because I'm so close to the microphone. I realize in my own podcast that how like loud I am as opposed to my guest. Because right. I'm like yelling. I get yelling and I'm like right right on top of the microphone. Okay. So guess what? What? This thing all goes through the beautiful filter. Oh, so, the beautiful filter. The, clips the beautiful get cut, filter. The highs get low. The, everything gets shaved off to a dull. Is this what we're going to sound like? Is well, it, you're also uh, recording it into two separate tracks, right? I am. Yeah, Ooh, beautiful. Very nice. You got the zoom here? Yeah. Doing your thing. I have a thing called the IO dock for iPad. Okay. In which it's a it's a port that I plug my iPad in and it has XLR ports nice. on it so I can directly record into the iPad. Yeah. I can't do much with levels though. The pad is pretty amazing, I got to say. The pad. pad. My bad, it's iPad. But you were saying. Oh yeah, what was I saying? Uh, North Las Vegas mm-hmm. and uh, then we moved from there to a different part of town because my mom got a job at the Mirage right. Hotel Casino when uh, it opened. So the commute to work was really intense. Like like long? Yeah, it was like an hour and a half because like Vegas traffic Jeez. is as bad as Los Angeles traffic. Yeah. So, so bad? It's just awful. So we moved to a place where it was a 15-minute drive instead of an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and also, quote-unquote, safer neighborhood. But yeah, I don't even know if it was that safe because I knew people that were in gangs so in my neighborhood. Really? Yeah. What kind of gangs? Bloods and Crips. The classics. The classics. <laughs> the greats. The greats. Every and every gang was like an offshoot right. of the Bloods and Crips. There was I remember there was a game a gang called Gerson. Gerson. Which is a street, I believe, in Compton. Uh, but it's they made it all the way to all the way to Vegas. Yeah. See there's all the different the, like the the gangs they break off into their different names yeah. that are basically about the streets that they're and on. Like there's Gerson Pyru. Um, yes, exactly. And so they were pie. And I remember that was the nickname Bloods, right? that some people I knew used. There was like, oh, these, 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 these. I was at the store and these pies walked in, you know, like, Man. I was like, okay, shit. Uh, I'm going to stay inside forever. So, <laughs> that was basically my idea. Were you at risk? I, 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 I probably was. Risk, by the way, at risk. At risk. <laughs> I, well, you I know what? At risk youth. I work with at riskers. And it's hard for me to see in a way how hard dangerous or rough it may have actually been right because i spent so much i decided it was and i just stayed inside like okay. i just did not go outside for a lot that's why i don't have stories i that's that's, that's the thing that I've, I've bred in myself is just to stay inside where it's yeah. safe and I'll, I'll just exist in my head how about i read this how about i watch that movie so what or were something you getting into at that time um well you know what it's funny because i i like to think that i didn't have these like obsessions and phases and things, right. but I totally did. There was a, there was, 
there was a time where I was like, I, I want to be in a gang, and I was tried to wear certain colors. No way. <laughs> Did not fit in. Oh my god! How at old all. were you at this point? Oh man, this is middle school at least. And you were like, try, because because that's. Definitely not the way you get in the gang. You don't. Yeah. You don't do that. You do like you say, "Hey, I want to be in here, and I'll let you jump me in, or whatever the fuck." In third grade, I'm great if you just could wear the colors and kind of like slowly absorb in. Like, slowly hey, absorb. You know, next thing I know, you know, you can't tell when you're in and when you're out, but I know I'm in now. Well, see, there were there were actual gangs, right? right? Actual gang members, and then there were the wannabes. Right. And the wannabes sometimes to me were worse. Oh, because they have more. To, they have, have more, more to, prove. to prove. Right. You know, so. I, I was around a lot of the wannabes, of course, because we were young, but like there was, you know, there was some of them that had all oh, my big brothers and this gang and shit like that. And I remember one time hanging out with going to that kid's place and like his brother was there and I was like, oh, you are frightening. You are a scary, scary person. Is this like a big public school kind of thing or what is it? Yeah, public school. No, this is just like our apartments and our okay. complex. So it's like up and down the street, the neighborhood. Right. right. Um, no, because when I moved to Vegas, I was in third grade. Okay. So... I what was I into? I remember there was a point where I got into trading cards, what, but baseball. Oh no 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 no! Ooh. I did have some basketball trading cards and baseball trading cards, mainly basketball and comic book trading cards. I didn't know those existed. In I want to say fifth fourth grade, it was fifth grade when I got wind of it. DC um, put out some trading cards. That were all the DC Comics characters. And I knew kids in school that were collecting those cards mm -hmm. and trading those cards. And that was much, I was more interested in, in superheroes than basketball. Right. Then Marvel put out, they were like, well, not to be, we're not going to be fucking left behind. <laughs> so they put out trading cards. That's exactly what their press release Exactly. Like. We're not, we're not going to be left we're behind. We're not going to be fucking left behind. <laughs> so we are putting out an issue. Marvel's exec says, we're not going to be fucking left behind. And there's their their art was was better. I remember the artwork was better. So you're just like a classic nerd, aren't you? Well, in third grade, I was like the kid. The actual meaning of it, not like what it's come to mean in terms of urban outfitters and whatever. I, I don't know. You are. I can tell you right now. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, really, I'm really reluctant to, 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 because you know what? Here's, here's what. Stayed indoors. Jank. <laughs> Read the comics. Jank. Uh, but here's, here's, here's the defining factor, Johnny. Right. My lack of commitment. To what? To all those things. If a nerd is committed i don't think that's necessarily true i think that's something that's sort of been been uh disputed it's been decided that that's what it means but i fall in that debatable category is what yeah, i'm saying it's like when people say like oh i'm such a nerd like i like i'm obsessed with coffee i'm a coffee nerd like you're not a fucking nerd. shut up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, you like you, you like coffee. coffee that's what everybody yeah who doesn't like drink coffee if you, if you go to starbucks every morning that does not make you a nerd yeah um well that's the thing is it's like I was. I remember in third grade, third grade, fourth grade. I was a little bit of a bully. Oh, really? But I was wow. a psychological bully. Okay. I didn't punch and kick as much as I just scared the shit out of kids with my words, like which I still do today. I just turned them into jokes. Yay! Really? <laughs> I would just torture kids. It's awful. So, did you have designs on being a comedian at that point? No, I didn't. It wasn't wasn't in my awareness. I was. What did you think you wanted to be? In your I probably. You know what it was? Because I, I remember I was the kid that wore a big puffy coat in the Las Vegas desert heat really? and everyone was like why are you wearing that coat and I just like it, it just made me feel safe to yeah. wear this big coat that I knew where I was and also it separated me from everybody mm -hmm. and yeah, I also a big thing it's yeah so I was like I was unique in that I was the kid that wore this coat yeah that I always wore this unique. coat and 
there had to be that fitting in bullshit. Like it had to be like I moved from from one state to a new state. I got to make up who I was now. Right. Nobody knew me. So I got to establish this mythos <laughs> around yeah, myself. Yeah. I guess I never got a chance to do that. That's that's a cool. That is a cool thing. If you to, if you it can be, I suppose, if you're traveling to a new place and we play. Okay, I'm gonna be now that I know enough about the world, I can be like, I'm gonna be goth now. And well, but you also like that's a, I think that's a common thing. Like little boys, they'll they'll move from one place to another place and then they decide they're gonna go by a different name. Really? Like Breaking Blad, like call me Flynn. Yeah, Flynn. <laughs> yeah. What's and but you've always been Baron, right? I've always been Baron. Yeah. How'd that name come about? <sighs> Black Mom. Really? Just like the way it sounded. But it doesn't. Okay, <laughs> simple as that, huh? Simple as that. I have no idea. There's no history Do to it. Do you ever get misspellings of that? Yeah. The, the two R's. Two R's. Two R's. Um, two R's and an E, because okay. it's B A R O N. But I get B A R R E N. Okay. So most people here miss here Darren. Darren. Um, sometimes Baron? Barry. Barry. Yeah. Barry is good. Brian. I've gotten Brian. <laughs> Bucephalus. Bucephalus. Um, Jacqueline. You know. Jacqueline. No. no. <laughs> Tasmir. Tasmir. Um, Shore. Yeah. Um, flam, clasp. Flam, 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 jams. I get clasp a lot. People call me clasp. But I said, Cl- and I said Johnny. Like what? Did you said clasp. Like the thing that holds <laughs> papers together. Like no, no, Johnny. Paperclip. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I've never heard the word clasp. As if no. It's and I spell it. They're like, oh, oh, C L A S P. Right. Kept hearing the word clasp. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Kept hearing clasp. That's very strange. It is. It's so strange. Um, but I'm with you on that, brother. Bucephalus. That was a horse. I think Caligula's horse. Yeah. So when did you start getting into the um the entertainment stuff? Well, what the heck was I talking about? Oh yeah, the comic book. Were, yeah, comic book. So I I got into the DC thing. The DC comic book cards, but they were like, it was like uh, such an undertaking that I was like, well, I can't do this. They got in the Marvel ones. I was like, I'll be in the Marvel ones. Then that's about the time that I want to say when magic started. Mm. That's about the time when I suddenly I started seeing these magic cards around. Yeah. The gadgering, the gadgering, the gadgetry, the gadgetry, magic, the gadgetry. It's a great Christmas. Um, And that didn't really catch on for me. I tried to play it to an extent, but it it always seemed like there was the kids that just somehow had all of these cards yeah. that had every single freaking card. I'm like, how am I supposed to compete with this? Where are they getting this money? Do they have allowances? Are they doing chores? Do they have yeah. jobs? I don't understand how they're getting this money, I right? Think it's mom and dad. I remember I felt like I traded in, an entire deck of DC cards for magic cards. Yeah, for one? For like... No, it was, it was a deck. Bimbo the Thrower? There were two games that became popular. Magic and this other game called Shadow Fist. Oh, I still have Shadow Fist cards. It was like a like a Chinese myth, like Chinese mafia kind of game, okay. like like Chinese and Japanese, Korean, Asian mafia. Like there was yakuza and like Chinese mafia and stuff like that. And you had like ninjas and samurai and like wow. strange powers, you know, Chinese mystic healing stuff like that. It was like, oh, okay. Um, then I think I got into comic books, of course, but like again. It was the commitment thing. There was a comic book store that was like a 40-minute walk from where I lived. And I swear one day I went to the walk and it just wasn't there. Like it was closed for business. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then I, and the door next to it was a pool hall. So I'm like, well, I walked all this way. Going to get into pool now. <laughs> you got into billiards. Yeah, I was in the billiards. By accident. Billiards by accident. Necessity. Did you get really into billiards? I did. I was never any good. Man. I love playing pool. Yeah? I really do. Are you good at it at all? I'm okay. I just love it. 
What What do you love about it? Something about it. It's like it's like bowling where I've never been Ooh, like. I was in the bowl. Really? I was a good bowler too, man. I'm pretty. I'm okay. I'm medium. I learn. I can do the. I can throw my foot out. I can do the. What it's called? The hook. I have incredible form. You do? Yeah. So I don't. Probably better. Than, we we sh- this podcast should have been a bowling. It should have just been bowling. Would have been better if we were bowling right now. Yeah, would be. And then people can hear the pins in the background. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it sounds like a like okay. a scene from Lebowski. Round two. Round two. We'll do a bowling. Bowling one. Next I, podcast we'll go bowling. Yeah. I love it. It's something about it. Where it's that thing where I've never been. I've never had too much. Never been like okay, enough bowling now. It's always been, we don't have enough money to pay in a third game, or yeah. it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> Never me saying it's time to go. It's always like, come, like I, I, you can't. You can't play too much. Well, bowling was important in my family. My grandmother was a like a hell of a bowler. There's this guy, his name's Earl Anthony Jr. That's a great name. Who apparently is considered one of, if not the greatest bowler of all time. Really? That she was friends with. Okay. And he taught her. How to bowl. How to bowl. Anthony Jr. Exactly, because this is Vegas. This is like one of the bowling capitals of the world. Right. All have, these different the bowling. There, right? all, the tournaments were always in Vegas or I Reno. Think about that. That's true. And I used to watch them on TV. I used to watch the bowling tournaments and then Hercules, the legend, legendary journeys. That was my Saturdays. I'm like, bowling, Hercules. Then Xena started. I'm like, forget all of that. She's a woman. <laughs> I'm going to watch this. One Sorbo. One, one, yeah, exactly. Um, forget all of it. Lucy Lawless, that's my new obsession. I don't want to bowl anymore. Uh, I was in a bowling league in like middle school. Man. Yeah. I just took. I had bowling class in high school. That was it. Well, we took in in sixth grade for PE. We bowled, and I was like, "I'm good at this." And then yeah. my grandma was like, "Well, if you're interested, I could show you some stuff." And then she took me, and then she and my mom was in a bowling league as yeah. well. So I used to go with them to the bowling league, but I never watched until I got interested in bowling. Instead, right. I went into the arcade, uh. and then I would play the RoboCop video game right, or POW or Double Dragon, Time whatever, whatever was there. Yeah. So, what, what's your highest score? My highest bowling score, yeah. probably like two, two twenty, two thirty something. What's the most number of strikes you got in a row? Well, that I, I mean, I, I forget. Five. Ten. I never. I didn't keep. Obviously, that game was the most strikes I got because I got over two hundred. Right. But yeah. I, um, I don't even remember. I feel like a, a perfect game is thirteen strikes. Right, because that's three hundred, right? Yeah. Right. Because it's like a strike every frame, but then you get three tries in the tenth frame. Mm-hmm. If you get a strike, then you get two more turns, and you get a strike, then you get another strike. If I remember correctly, no, twelve strikes. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, listeners, feel free to correct us online. <laughs> My favorite thing is just throwing out stuff like, "Ah, maybe it's true," and someone goes, um, uh, "Actually, I'm at my computer listening to this, so I will tell you that you are wrong." Yeah, or, I remember because I still had a. I remember we were taught how to keep track of bowling score. Like, yeah, that I, I never understood that at all. I never, I never even tried. I was like, no, um, I don't. I'd rather just get a bad score. Than that's one of those game. Those one of those skills or those things I remember that I'm like, something else could go right yeah. there. I know. I know how to. The difference between adding a spare and adding a strike. I could put something else in there, like not being afraid of opening my mail. What I don't get <laughs> is that like how people played bowling before there was automatic pen setters. Like that, I, I can't think. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't oh, bowl. there were there were that was guys' jobs. Exactly. There was a like, guy back there that to pick up pick up the pins and put them, and you like you saw his feet. <laughs> you don't remember that? It just got so dark in here. I felt like this was like a solar eclipse. Yeah, no, it's because we're about to Jesus we're about to time travel back to the sixties. Literally, literally dark. We got to time travel back to the sixties. Okay, That's what was happening. Back. We were talking about bowling, and we were going to go back to the sixties. Back to the 
back in the 60s when a man was a man and weed was a dollar fifty. <laughs> Sixty. Oh, I remember when weed was, you could just go down the street and say, hey, you got weed? Hey, you just say, uh. And that guy was Timothy Leary. <laughs> he, he made the rounds. Mm. Okay, so you got in the pool. Mm-hmm. Got in the pool. Um, that was before the bowling phase. You're a young guy here. It was so. pools and dirt bikes. Dirt bikes. Then bowling. Dirt bikes meaning like bicycles, not motorbikes? No, motorbikes. Motorbikes. Did you motorbikes. No, I didn't. I never went and just watched it on TV. Oh, okay. I just liked it. I used to try to draw motorcycles. It's dangerous. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. That's what I was like, well, I'm so frail. I don't know if I could, with the pads and the, oh, skateboarding was in there at some point. Okay. Jesus. But this is all, this is all pre-puberty. Yeah. So at what point what point were you like, I think I want to do something entertaining? This whole time, I always so was interested in television, right? Okay. My great-grandparents had cable, which right. I realized back then now is kind of progressive. This <laughs> is like that they had cable in the 80s. And they were grandparents, too. And my great-grandparents, yeah, right? Yeah. And my grandmother loved TV. Really? So she... like to watch? All sorts of stuff, man. She... she um, she was the reason we had cable. She paid for our cable. She bought uh, multiple televisions and multiple VCRs. Man. So that way she could tape all these oh, different wow. things. She was DVR her before programs. DVR. And her programs. And in my, back in, my, in our room, in our you know, bunk bed room, she had a stack of VHS tapes that she was just constantly going through while counting change. And she used to watch. Counting, this is great. This is a great image. I, love I know. This. I know. Change. She used stuff. to love. What did she love? MacGyver. The shows that I. Of course, <laughs> fucking fuck you. Of course, everybody love, loved I MacGyver. Love MacGyver. I learned a program at VCR because of MacGyver. MacGyver, come on. Yeah. Who didn't watch MacGyver? With my great grandparents, it was. And I was talking to somebody about this. It was like family programming. That was a thing back then. Right. So it was MacGyver. Loved MacGyver. Loved Two Two Seven. Golden Girls. Um, there were a lot of black sitcoms that right. they were happy like Two Two Seven and uh, Amen. Amen. I don't think I remember that one. I feel like Amen was. It took place at a church. Okay. And uh, I want to say it was almost like a. It was almost like a spinoff from Two Two Seven. Spinoff. But then Two Two Seven was a spinoff from uh, from the Jeffersons. Was it the Jeffersons or was it the? Uh, I think it was the Jeffersons. Because they like the Jeffersons, Benson. Yeah. Benson. Oh, I love Benson. Come on, Benson, which oh, was a spinoff Benson. of Soap, I believe. Man. I Robert Guillaume played Benson, the only black man to play the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Really? Yeah. He's a, he's a really interesting guy. Isn't he? Yeah, I don't Sampasana know Squash him. Banana? I, I like him as an actor. Though. I don't yeah, I don't know a lot about him either. Um Robert Guillaume, it's a French name I would assume he's from Louisiana then. Probably, yeah. I, which I think Guillaume is William in French. <laughs> is it? Well, if you say it that way, cuz if you if your name is William in French, it's it's a it's pronounced Guillaume. Like Guillermo. I guess so. Guillermo del Toro, which is Spanish for William. Mm. There we go. We did it. Or correct us. Romance online. language. Or correct us <laughs> online. So, um, so, you, so you grew up with TV pretty pretty uh, intently. But I, I remember watching a buttload of Nick at Night. Right. It, like I watched Nickelodeon yeah, all day, and then it would switch to Nick at Night about 5, 6 o'clock. Donna Reed. My three Donna, sons. Dude, Donna Reed, My Three Sons, Dobie Gillis. Dobie Gillis. Dobie Gillis, Car Patty 54, Duke. Car 54, where are you? Car 54. Patty, I love mm -hmm. Patty Duke and I love Dobie Gillis. I tried to write a joke about this because it was like I watched so much that old black and white mm -hmm. TV. There were no black people on it. Right, there were never. So the moment that there was a black, like when Sammy Davis Jr. was on the Patty Duke show, I reacted as people must have when that actually happened. Just like, oh, Sammy Davis Jr., <laughs> a black man's on television. We did it. Wow. We shall overcome. It is ridiculous how, how white all that stuff was. But the other thing, mm -hmm. original Saturday Night Live. 
Okay, yeah. The original Saturday Night Live, the original five years, mm-hmm. I watched the Dan Aykroyd and fuck Martin out of that stuff. That. Yeah, exactly. Well, Steve Martin wasn't a cast member. He was a host. He was just oh, a, a host all the time. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd was a cast member. Belushi, uh, M- Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, you know, Gilda Radner, Lorraine Newman, Garrett Morris. Um, oh, Garrett Morris. Yeah, um, Jane Curtin. Rick Moranis received that second. No, Rick Moranis was never on Saturday Night Live. He was on SCTV. Yeah. yeah. Which I did watch SCTV yeah, as well. SCTV. Eugene Levy, Andrew Martin, all those mm-hmm. guys. Um, Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas. Um, John Candy. Mm-hmm. Loved John Candy. Yeah. Um, so. So you, you watch all that stuff and you get obsessed with it. I got obsessed with it. And then what happened is. There, when there was a comedy channel, it wasn't it wasn't Comedy Central yet. It was hot. There was hot in the Comedy Channel. I think there were like two of them. Oh, I didn't remember that. And then when Saturday, there was a point because they're both Viacom, okay. Nickelodeon, Comedy Central are owned by the same people. Yeah. So there was a point where they stopped airing Saturday Night Live on Nickelodeon mm-hmm. or Nick at Night, and they put it on this comedy channel. And then they just played all the Saturday Night Lives basically in order from way back to present day. Mm-hmm. And I watched, I've watched so much Saturday Night Live of every single cast. Jeez. And I remember almost everybody that was on Saturday Night Live. I remember all like so many different random casts. So does that, was that like your dream to be on SNL then? It was. And then stand, then I started seeing stand up uh-huh. on TV, you know, short attention span theater, um, the A list two drink minimum, all this different stuff. This stuff is so old. Like, I like, all those words made me like remember. I just remember as a kid watching stand up. I didn't like it when people talk about sex stuff because it made me uncomfortable because I didn't know anything about it. Oh man, we had HBO, dude. Oh, and when the, the when it was nighttime, I would sneak in Def Comedy Jam. Are you kidding me? Oh, it's really really dirty. It was dirty, but it was like I was like, yeah, Def Comedy Jam. It was like the th- because everybody was talking about it because of course everyone loved Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And all my friends were talking about Eddie Murphy doing Eddie Murphy bits. We'd go. It was like a thing. We'd go to their house and like, oh my dad's wait, we're gonna go watch Eddie Murphy. So it was like we'd watch Eddie Murphy, and that was the tradition that Def Comedy Jam seemed to be an extension of. Right. And then all my friends the next day at school were talking about, did you see Def Comedy Jam? Oh man, oh Martin Lawrence, and just cool like, friends. and then Martin got a sitcom, and then there were things. Then in Living Color started, yeah. and it was just like you couldn't stop talking about. Well, you were probably almost in high school at this point, right? Uh, yeah, middle school and coming into high school. But so, but you said you went to performing arts high school, so that yeah. must have been like when you started first wanting to perform. Well, it was in middle school that I realized that, you know, that I was funny, I guess. Okay. And that everyone thought I was hilarious, and then the thing was there was Read magazines. Do you remember those at all? Read. Read magazines. It was like this. I do not. I don't remember why. I almost want to say it was because schools could only afford so many textbooks. So then they started doing Read Magazine, which was like brochures that had excerpts or summaries Man. of old like yeah. novels, like Dracula and stuff like that. And be like, I had that, no. So we would get Read Magazine and be like an excerpt from a classic novel, and right. we'd read it out loud in class, and we'd, you know, you'd go down the, the line. You Everybody would... would read a paragraph. I can tell what's going to happen here right now. What do you think is going to happen, Johnny? What's going to happen is when it gets to Baron, Baron, everyone loves it because Baron goes, he goes big. <laughs> You're goes damn big. right. You're damn right. <laughs> it was go big or go home. Teacher loves it. Students love it. It was go big or go to the principal's office. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could read. I could act it. Right. I could read. I could read it from the page out loud with no mistakes. Like it was a good cold reader. Right. So everyone was like. 
<laughs> Baron, you should go to this performing arts high school that wow. it was starting up. Actually, it's about it's the twentieth and twentieth year so anniversary. Funny. We should want to take a quick break. Quick break. This is standard procedure. It's nothing weird. You quick break. We'll quick, be right quick, back. Quick break. Hey! It sounds like you're having a really great time listening to Twisting the Wind. Oh yeah, I freaking love it. <laughs> In that case, we would love it if you would donate some of your treasure to us. Okay. No blood, just treasure, okay? Like some money. Yeah, that would be just great. That's going to allow us to keep making this show. Oh, yeah, I got when that. I say us, I mean me and us and all of us together here, okay? Okay, 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 okay. <sighs> We're back into the twist in the wind zone here on Hot Dog 97.6.9.3.2.1. You're in it, you're out, you're on. And we're back in the studio here, Hot Tub Studios here on Ventura Boulevard, North County's downtown with Baron Vaughn. Baron Vaughn, Baron Vaughn. <laughs> hey, so Baron, we were just talking about... Uh, <laughs> we were just talking about... Uh, how you don't tell people... Your, yeah, you can't tell, you can't tell strangers. You're a comedian. You're any sort of artist. Yeah, because it opens up. I mean, I do sometimes to like grandmas on planes. Oh, oh. Grandmas, I don't know what it is about me, but. Grandmas? Grandmas want to be my friend. It's like, they just want to be. Parents have always liked me. All, every, all the parents of every girlfriend I've ever had. Really? Yeah, are just like, oh, he's so, so nice. So nice. Can I date him? <laughs> but uh, old black women, I mean, I have a joke about it. Old really? black women, like. Or my weakness, like it's like I, if an old black woman asks me to do anything, I'll I'll do it. Well, that's like a, isn't Richard Richard Pryor has some old joke about that about how like when um when his grandmother saw him doing coke and she starts doing the, like the church thing that oh right oh, right oh Jesus oh Jesus oh, oh, stop it stop it grandma. stop it grandma I'm pouring it down the toilet thirty thousand dollars worth of shit she was like what you gonna sell that back to the Man, that's kind of Wouldn't know Santa. Yeah. Oh, God. Wouldn't know how to pour, was it piss out of a boot? If it was instructions written on the bottom, something like I that. I listened to it probably 40 times. I have the, compl I have the complete prior. Oh, it's such a good Studio show. recordings. Um, oh, you know, that was something I was going to do this year, is listen to all of Bill Cosby. Really? I started listening to some stuff. Because uh, I've listened to all of Pryor. Really? Yeah, I think I've listened to all of Pryor. Because he's my favorite. He's absolutely my favorite. No one will ever be. Who, are your, who, who would you say your top five? I mean, Pryor for me is like so high above the next one that I don't even know who to say. Because Pryor and Cosby to me are like two sides of a coin. Yeah, exactly. I, I have three paintings in my living room. It's Pryor, Cosby, and Steve Martin. Okay. Those are my yeah. totes, my faves. I mean, I guess I just started reading the Steve Martin biography last night. Oh yeah. I can't believe I haven't read it yet. But uh, I'm already like born standing up. Yeah, it's incredible. So. I like him a lot. I mean, I love Pryor. I really like George Carlin a lot. I like Bob Newhart a lot. And oh. I really like a lot of recorded comedy for the most part. I, mean, I never mm. really got into it. I, it's like I didn't start listening to recorded comedy until I was in, in, in college yeah, when I too. started doing stand-up. And I was like, okay, this is a way to research. Because like, I'd watched so much stand-up right. on television by then. And yeah. I always remembered people's bits. Mm -hmm. I, have a, I have a brain for that. And... A lot of my friends actually are always like, hey, do you know anyone has a bit about this? I'm like, yes. Yep. And like, yeah, oh, someone man. does have a bit about that with that wording in it. and But their bit's this. It's like, but your bit is that, so it's different enough. Yeah. And they're That's like, really? That's a weird thing. Like, people get so obsessed about that, but I, re I, I really think that everything has been said. It's just how do you say it? Yeah. Well, that's that's why I want to get into trying to tell personal stories. 
Because no one can take because that. Because no one has my personal stories. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's why you see people like um, Paula Tompkins, for instance. Like yeah. it's like he's telling stories from his freaking life. Oh. He can do three stories. That's an hour long yep. set. So great. And, but it's I just uh, I don't see myself as the hero in the movie of my own life. Yeah. Just like I could, oh man, I'm just walking my day and this happened to me. I don't know if you have to be the hero necessarily in a story. I think a lot of times. At least for me, when I think about stories I tell on stage, is stuff where it's like I am either the villain or I'm like watching this thing happen and I'm able to convey it in a way that other people who saw that didn't. Oh, I guess I couldn't have, couldn't have said it that I, I wouldn't have thought to say it say it that way. Well, and that's what I'm seeing. I have a little difficulty with is synthesizing my everyday life and everyday experiences into yeah. material because I'm just always kind of in my head and and always thinking about stuff so all my all the things i want to talk about tend to be like lofty giant gigantic ideas you ever done that show set list um no i'm doing it uh at the end of this uh month no at the end of february well that will get you under that because that's like the best i'm that's what i'm hoping yeah greatest show ever i've been to it a couple times and it's it's super fun and super interesting what comes out of people listeners set list is an improvised stand-up show where comics are given a set list that is just a bunch of random it's a projection words. behind them that comes up and you're supposed to just and they don't get it until the moment like till right then there's no like there's no preparation so. and you look at it and you're supposed to basically yeah just incorporate in your act like it yeah. was that like you're looking at your own set list like, like oh i'm moving on to this bit no big deal i love doing that it's like my, pretty much my favorite thing to do they just recorded a tv version they of it did. didn't they? yeah for england of course because their england is five years ahead of us and all things comedy on television so Maybe it'll be on TV in America. It's, it's smaller. Smaller. And they also have, well, the whole thing with the BBC is that they have, you can fail and you can spend a small amount of money and make something and it's okay. You can make six episodes of something. And that, that's, uh, what'd you do? Made six episodes. Are you going to make more? Nope. It's done. The story's it's, finished. It's the story. And that's their you, tradition. You didn't make 22 for the first season? It's because they're not. They're not selling ads. Yeah, they're not selling ads because it's it's exactly that. It's so many it's so many things. Also, you know about the whole thing with BBC? They have carte blanche with music. They can use any music they want. They don't have to pay rights for it. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, because it's a public because it's public thing. And it's this thing where it falls they're not under, making profit. It falls under like a journalism sort of thing. Yeah, because they have. A, I took a, I took a British television class when yeah. I was in England studying Shakespeare, and uh, <laughs> it was about that. It's a licensing fee. To yeah. TV tax, and that's the BBC's budget. Yep. But and like so, oh, so basically, HBO, Showtime, those pay cable networks have aped what the BBC is doing, which is why they don't have to sell ads, yep. and they can take more risks with the kinds of programming, kinds of casting that they exactly. do. Exactly, but they can't use music whenever they want. to. No, nah, because we're America. Yeah, <laughs> we're not Jamaicans. Okay, we're not Jamaicans. We're mm-hmm. backpedal. Well, they don't have copyright law. At least they didn't used to have copyright law in Jamaica. Oh, okay. I was just afraid it was racist. Copyright law was um. Whoever did it best owns it, which I kind of think in a way with comedy is not that far off. Whoever did it best owns it. Wow. Um, think about, like, but then that's, that's who determines what's the best. The people. The most successful, the most Pop- sold. Popular sentiment. It's like, you know, it's like, um, you know, the idea of someone like owning something like, oh, he owns that. Like you're, you're totally owning that. Like that phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you take that to like, if you take it to the, to the extent of what it actually means, like you could say it means the same thing where it's like like you oh he owns that joke cuz he just he does it so well that well what is your it. what is your opinion on joke thievery cuz we're well, kind of getting into that I a little bit I don't think you should ever steal jokes yeah I don't know anyone who'd want to I know 
I've never stolen a joke. Um, definitely not on purpose. I think a lot of times people do it without knowing it because there is like this zeitgeist of words and like to say like to say that you have someone stole some joke about I don't know like someone's what's like a, like the fiscal cliff right or something that's in like the popular someone like, oh I had that joke first like no you didn't well, well it's Fucking like a thousand people had the same there's only there's only especially if you're doing like topical stuff yeah it's like everyone's taking in the same stimulus yeah. will come up with the same ideas Differently, we'll come up with like the same idea, especially because it's like a lot of the jokes that are always accused of being stolen are ones that are so unoriginal or just like, like a, a thought joke about cats. Yeah, it's just like, like yeah, somebody else did that, but it's like yeah. I, I I have like my three my three pronged approach to what I think is thievery, right. which are um, angle, uh, angle delivery and wording. Okay, yeah, those are where it's just like if you if it's the same. Because it could be the same subject, but I've seen people do the same setup, but then right. the, what they do with it is totally different. Right, exactly. Right? Because, for example, um, Pete Holmes has a joke right. that I saw two other comedians do. Okay, what's the joke? The joke is about um, g uh, Google. About oh, like yeah, how yeah. you right. would... That's a great joke. Yeah, which is like you, you know, you... You can you instantly know anything ever, and, right. and, and I've seen two other comedians do similar bits right. years before Pete had his version. Right. I don't think that Pete is even aware of that. Probably not. And even if he is, it's like it doesn't matter. That's a very that's well it's, that's in the zeitgeist. One of the first there. person I ever saw do a joke like that right. is a writer on Conan. Oh, I don't know. so when Pete did that joke on Conan, I remember. I ran on him recently and I asked him about it and he's like, yeah, actually, um, I, Pete's, he's like, Pete's joke is better. He's like, Pete's okay. joke is way better than mine yeah. and it goes, it goes on and it, it becomes, it's a bigger thing. Plus he's never seen me do that joke. Right. I, I, I wasn't accusing him of stealing. I was just like, yeah, he just had a similar idea right. and he, he Pete Holmes it. He That's what it. makes it Pete's Holmes' his joke. It. Then there's another friend of mine um, who... The guy who did that first joke had a line in it, which was, uh, I Googled the word Google, and my computer punched me in the face, <laughs> right? Um, and then I had a completely different friend, right. had the same joke, I Googled the word Google, and my computer exploded, right? Okay, yeah. It's a different punchline, but it's the same thing, but it's also a simple idea. Yeah. Like, I Googled the word Google. Everyone knows about, everyone uses Google, everyone knows about Google, so. The Chuck Watkins has a joke. Right. Oh, well, his joke is different because he was talking about looking up goggles. He's like, so I Googled the word goggles and Google's like, did you mean Google? <laughs> uh, which I love that joke. But it's like, um, and uh, so basically it's like, it's a different, it's a similar angle, but it's not the same delivery. Right. I see what you're saying. So yeah, angle delivery and wording. wording yeah. If it's the exact, I've only ever seen one example of someone bald face stealing a joke I've heard, she's heard, and she knows I know that she's heard that joke. Oh, this is your joke? Someone stole one of your jokes? No, a different girl. Okay. There was a, two girl, two female comedians in New York. I'll, Name names. I'll keep them unnamed. Name names. <laughs> um, but there was this girl who... I always thought it was a great comic, and she had a bunch of different... She kind of trafficked more in, like, one-liner land. Right. And so that's when you get to the, that's when you get to the point where you can steal jokes because one-liners are so yeah so uh, there's something liftable yeah but they don't really have any they're not anchored in anything personal or specific well some people would theorize that a one-liner comic is uh, is uh, that's a deflection 
It's it's like because you're not you're not saying anything about yourself. Oh, I, I and you're I, not telling stories. You're not yeah. being vulnerable. You're hiding behind the structure of a joke. Right. But some people can do that and make it work. Like Mitch Hedberg is. There's you still understand who he is. Right. Through his jokes, mm -hmm. and he's technically not even a one. I wouldn't say he's a one-liner guy. He does has jokes, but he tells stories from his life as well. He does that yeah. he fits into like one-liner stuff. Yeah, and he but he definitely had a thing where he was his persona was always right at the front of everything. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I saw this girl. So this girl had this joke, mm -hmm. and it was like because she was trying to do more personal stories and stuff. Right. So, but she would sprinkle in some one-liners here and there, and this joke was like her. That was her joke. Like. That was the joke oh, no. that, like, if one. anybody, if, if no matter how she was doing, if she told that joke, people were with her, right? So it was just like, that's her joke. Yeah. That's that joke that she does. Different show, years later, I was doing a show, and this girl stole, I just saw her do, and I literally, my heart started beating like I had been punched what? in the face. What? She did the joke to the word, and she used it. As a means to set up a whole, it was a job joke. Hmm. The joke was, I do this neat trick at work. I sit at my desk and slowly die. <laughs> that was the joke, right? right? So I was like, that's that girl's joke. She does that joke. People are with her, right? Yeah. Then I saw this other girl do that exact joke, the wording, mm -hmm. the wording of it. And I was like, she just stole that joke. So did, these, did they have a fight? No, they, she doesn't know. Oh, really? It was years after. And that other girl might have stopped doing stand up. See, that's right. the other thing. Yeah. Sometimes people stop doing stand up and some comedians will go like, Can I have that joke? Really? Can I have that joke? And be like, Yeah, you're gonna have it. So I can't imagine that. I mean I I don't think I know anyone who stopped really, but I just can't imagine like wanting someone else it's like I don't wanna I don't want your underwear that you've used. You know? <laughs> Well, you know, actually, it's funny because I a lot, but it's not. It's still one of my uh, guy from college. I he, when I when we moved to New York, he started doing stand up. I was right. doing stand up in college, so he was always really, really good at crowd work, mm -hmm. and his material was kind of so so. Right. But sometimes we would run each other, ideas by each other, right? And he had an idea that I was riffing on, and it became my joke, mm -hmm. even though he ended up doing it on stage. But his version of it was different, right? But I always felt uncomfortable ever ever doing it because it was like his premise. Yeah. But he stopped doing stand up, and I was like, "Dude, I'm taking that premise and I'm going to run with it and make it something else." So and he's like, like, "Yeah, you already did it. Was yeah. but you thought it was better than what I had." You I just like, took his underwear and put it on over your underwear, <laughs> so you have a nice layer there. Where exactly. But then there's this part. That's the only bit that I'm like, ah, oh, where yeah. I feel kind of like it does feel kind of icky. Just kind of like ah, oh, it's uh, even though it's my it's my punchlines and my angle. It's right. someone else's premise. Exactly. So yeah. I'm just kind of like, well. I don't know. I feel bad about doing stuff that's even. I don't know. I just don't like doing anything that's old. I get like I hate my own jokes enough to it feels like that I stole them. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, the oh, old I'm tired of that shit. The old stuff of mine. It's just kind of like, who was I? But no one can steal your stuff because your stuff is so like explosive and like all the the so dynamic and the stuff when you when you're like singing and stuff. It's like. I would. I well, challenge geez. someone to lift that. I would well, love geez, to see. thanks, Johnny. I would love to see that. Actually. Someone told me they've someone seen do, it. Do Baron set. Do someone it. told me they saw somebody lift a line of mine. Maybe a line, but that's whatever. That's lift a, a line. you know. But it's like, so I I think that too. But it's like there's certain lines that you can take and turn it into something else. Right. That people that apparently people have is like I saw that guy stole your joke. I'm like really because I haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, and again, the jokes that I've been told that someone might have lifted 
are things that I'm like, well, that's not the most amazing part of that whole bit. It's right. like one sentence that is like probably the most unoriginal thing I say in that entire piece of stand-up. So you went to theater. Went to theater school theater in Boston, there. and then, uh, yeah, and I, there were some singing classes there. Did you start doing stand-up then? I started doing stand-up in college. Man. Because I, I Man. that's when I understood, because I went to, to London. Right. It was part of our curriculum. Mm -hmm. And it was either the summer before I went to London or the summer I came back from London that I started doing stand-up. And mm -hmm. I can never remember which one it is. Because there's certain events around me doing stand-up that I'm like, but that was then and that was there. Right. It's, it's in the, it's so in I've either March. been doing stand-up for 10 or 11 years. About. Right? Something, right. something in there. Right. Um, I went to London to study... Because we did Shakespeare in school, and then we went to London to further the study of Shakespeare, but then the eras after Shakespeare, which was Jacobean tragedy. Jeez, that was, th those were all the guys that preceded Shakespeare. That were, I can't even remember some of the names, but it was like, it was still iambic pentameter. wasn't as fucking solid as Shakespeare's was, but it was all tragedy. It was all, really? it, was, it was sensational. It was the National Enquirer of people are fucking their brothers. They're, they're getting stabbed. It was all like power grabs and war, okay. right? Then, historically, the court, the Royal Court of England went to France, because of the plague, I think, mm -hmm. happened in London. Everyone was like, let's get the fuck out of London. So they basically, because the British and the French royal families were in cahoots. Feel right. free to correct us online if I'm wrong Feel about this. Feel free to go to at.com and correct the all information station. So they went to France. And then when they came back to England, after the, they were like, I think it's safe. Right. I think the plague's done. They restored the court. Hence, restoration. Restoration. And in the theater. Then the, the theater. theater was called Restoration Comedy. Okay. Because all the fucking theater was tragedy. They were like, we need to laugh a little bit. So the pendulum swung back. The pendulum swung back, and then people stopped using the meter of iambic pentameter. It was in there, here and there. But yeah. it was, that was, by then it was powdered wigs, and right. uh, yes, I'm, I'm talking about. It was, and people were obsessed with, because they had been in France, they were obsessed with, like, pleasure right, and stuff the, like that. What do they call that? Versailles, basically. Ver basically well, that, you mean the city of France? Well, yeah, that, that's the... Uh, that is Verisimilitude? Versaillesimilitude? If you had to have like, one word to describe that, I would say Versailles is the word. Okay, okay, perfect. To describe the, the stuffy... The stuffiness. Pleasure. Um, pleasure. So we were there studying Jacobean tragedy and restoration mm -hmm. comedy. Then we went to a shitload of shows. Oh, man. But I made the, my personal treks to the comedy store in London. Really? In Piccadilly, Piccadilly okay. Circus. Uh, no, Piccadilly, yeah, Piccadilly Circus yep. slash Leicester Square, kind mm -hmm. of in between. And every Sunday and Wednesday was the comedy store players. You know what year this was? This was 2002, yeah, because it was after 9-11. Yeah, I think I was there the same time as you. I'm it was out because we went the semester after 9-11, which Did was a big deal. Did you Peter? Yes. Okay, me too. Yes, I saw Shockheaded Peter. We thing. were in London at the same time that we were trying to say. I'm pretty sure. You, that, that is seriously one of the most amazing theater yeah. pieces I've ever seen. It is. It's absolutely it, incredible. It's fucking incredible. And the two guys that created it and directed it were part of the Comedy Store players. Oh, Philip wow. McDermott. And I can't remember the other one. The Comedy Store players was an improv troupe at the Comedy Store, which was the British people from the British whose line is it anyway, oh, which man. I fucking devoured. Yeah, me too. And I was like, B -b 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 Paul Merton, Josie Lawrence, we're talking Richard Ronch on piano, <laughs> except the dude could actually improvise, and he's right. incredible. I'm like, why did they never let him improvise on the show? Mm -hmm. So um, 
Jim Sweeney, Steve Frost. I remember all these freaking names. And then sometimes you'd have Proops. Proops was in was in London. Right. Um, so, uh, Mike Myers started. I looked up the the uh, the history of the Comedy Store mm-hmm. players. Mike Myers started the group. Back in the 80s, when he was in London, because after Second City, he went to London, he hooked up with this guy named Neil Malarkey, uh-huh. and he taught Neil Malarkey and a couple other people the improv games of Second City, Jeez. and they started doing improv, uh-huh. and they founded the Comedy Store Players. Then they then some of them kind of branched off and started studying with this guy, Keith Johnstone, who was one of the, um, uh, like the improv gurus of England, right. but he also started the Loose Moose in, in, um, oh, loose in, in Toronto, uh-huh. and comedy and theater sports is... Uh, Keith Johnstone's thing, right? Okay. So I would go see them every Wednesday and Sunday as much as I possibly can. Then I started going to see the stand-up, and I started seeing more and more and more stand-up. Right. And I feel like, that's why I feel like it was after that that I started doing stand-up, like the summer of 2002. Yeah. But there's things that I remember doing before I went to London. I probably started doing stand-up before I went to London, which is why I wanted to go to the comedy store in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm just like, I can't remember exactly where it happened. But what was the what was the I don't know. point of this story? Sure. I, it's good though. It's I think we're just talking about life and what the thing, places you've been. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> England. You did it, Baron. <laughs> you fucking did it, bro. You did it. I want to know your story more, but uh, we'll save that for my podcast. I have a story. And uh, or I also listen to like your first three episodes where <laughs> I'm pretty sure you explained all that. I don't actually. Damn it, John. I don't talk about that at all. I just talked about. Uh, First episode, I talk about uh, <clears throat> reggae with this DJ, Danny Holloway. Gross. Second, I talk about uh, urban sprawl with uh, writer James Howard Kunstler. Dope. And third episode, I talk to my friend Patrick Leon, who's a naturalist. And we talk about ravens. Gross. Okay. So all those disgust <laughs> me. Um, but basically, that's all I got to say. Well, thanks for being here. Of course. It thanks for having me. It was an absolutely astounding story. <laughs> the wind has been deeply twisted, and uh, there will be more to come. More to come. Possibly a bowling lesson. Say something real quick. No, I got nothing. Goodbye, Mary. Take care. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.